and Lord of Lords who alone has immortality, um, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Now, when you really begin to think of Jesus as king, right, you can't help but to right, see him sitting on the throne. Your mind, you're like, like there, there's these visuals that come to mind when you really think about Jesus being king. But here's my question to you. When you, when you think of a king, right, what really comes to mind? I was asking my sons, I was talking about it last night, and I said, I asked my, my, my youngest son, I said, Tyler, when you think of a king, what comes to mind? He said, I think of Burger King. And I said, well, what is it about Burger King? He said he always got a gift, a Whopper. Right? So, so everybody has these different ideas of a king when they think of a king, right? But see, see when you think, see, I think of king, I think of ruler. I think of authoritarian. I think of majesty. Now, now, while all of those things, when we think about king, those are all positive attributes. But believe it or not, right, some people, when they think of king, when they think of ruler, they think that there's negative thoughts. Kings, see, sometimes people, self-proclaimed kings, right, they can be authoritative and people push to get things done and lose sight of people because they have a task to accomplish. We focus so much on who put us in position or when we focus so much on, on what we're called to do versus who put us there, we tend to sometimes forget that, honestly, we're, we aren't in control anyway, God is. There, there's these different kind of views of kings, right? Um, but, but let me tell you, let me give you a, um, a, a really good definition of what a king is. A king, listen, is someone who has authority to rule and reign over a group of people. A king is someone who has authority to rule and reign over a group of people. But let me just bust your bubble real quick. I know that you, somebody hired you at a job and they entrusted you enough to be a manager. Let me tell you, you're not a king. I know somebody has trusted you enough to rule or manage something well. No, you're not a king. You're called to be a steward. Because really, let's be honest, God is the owner. He just entrusted us to manage well what he's placed in our hands. We aren't kings. We are his workmanship created for good works, to be good stewards over what he's entrusted to us. But a king is someone who has authority to rule and reign over a group of people. Well, who is this king? This king is Jesus. Jesus is that king. He's called the king of the Jews by the Magi um, in Mark, I'm sorry, in Matthew 2. And Jesus accepts the title in Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, 11, it says this. Now, now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. Even in Matthew 21, 5, speaks of Jesus and says, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey. See, that part about Jesus being a king, it blows my mind, Rick. It, it blows my mind because Jesus is a king and he comes in riding on a donkey. 
See, if we were king, if we were king, we got to have a limo. Right, we got to have on a three-piece suit with some snakeskin shoes. Right, right. We, we, we got to have the most fanciest thing ever to prove our position as king. But Jesus said, yes, I'm king, but I don't need the fancy stuff. I'm coming on a donkey. What I love about Jesus being king is he was a servant too. I believe that God is not only creative, but he has a sense of humor. A sense of humor so much so that when he created us, he created our feet far away from our noses because he knows that some people would, you know. But think about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Like, I'm going to tell y'all, y'all can't repeat this, right? Right? Y'all don't repeat this, right? You can be on a podcast so the world can hear, but y'all can't repeat it, right? I was at a foot washing service one day. And we washing people's feet, and I'm like, how did Jesus do this? <laughs> That's the kind of king that he is. He's a servant king, and he, he was washing feet back then, but today he's a king who's pulling us out of darkness and conforming us to the image of his son. That's what makes him a powerful king, and Jesus is that king. Jesus is king in that he rules and he judges, right? Revelation says in 1911, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat upon it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages wars. Even the armies follow him. That's a king, a king who rules and judges. Listen, Jesus is a king. He has authority to rule and reign over us. And as king, Jesus rules in such a way as to not allow sin to reign over us any longer. Do you know when you accept Jesus as your king, sin no, lo no longer reign over you, but he does? That's what gives us the strength to keep on keeping on. See, in the Old Testament, the monarchy was established for peace, prosperity, um, and welfare of the nations. The prototype king of sorts was David. No king was ever beloved as David was. He was, he, he was God's man among the people. David, uh, with David on the throne, the nation of Israel could say all is well. Few things comfort a nation more than having a ruler of righteousness and strength sitting on the throne of power. It was said of David that he reigned over all of Israel and David administered justice and equity to all his people. But here's the truth. Even David being a king, he had character flaws. If you don't believe me, ask Bathsheba. David had character flaws, but the text talks about, right, how David was a righteous king. But, but here's the thing. Here's what's amazing, right, is that we have a greater king, a king greater than even David. Christ came in the line of David as David's son and yet also as David's lord, he is the ruler of kings on earth. He's the king of kings. He's lord of lords, including David. He rules with perfect justice and equity. Do you know, I believe that if people really knew what justice was, they wouldn't ask for it. 
That's interesting, right? We, we, we serve a God of justice. We serve a God of righteousness. And it's amazing, right, that, that we serve a king who, who was a perfect king, but so that we can be reconciled back to right relationship with our father. He says, I'll die for you. I'll give my life for you. As a matter of fact, I'm raising on the third day with all power in my hands to see you reconciled to the one who created you. Jesus is a king. Thinking through this whole idea of Jesus being king, he he just didn't become king just to see us sitting with our hands folded across our stomachs watching the 700 Club. It's not what he's called us to do. But Jesus being king has equipped us with gifts to serve him. Thinking through this whole idea that we're called or rather equipped to serve our righteous king, King Jesus, has given us some kingly gifts to serve him. Some kingly gifts that we have and just with other, just with the other offices that you've already talked about, we have these gifts. See, it's already been defined that, right, Jesus as prophet, there's some prophet gifts that let us see and know God and there's these priestly gifts um, that let us connect with God, but out of each, right, the king, out of all the, the, the gifts that he gives, the kingly gifts are probably my favorite, right? Believe it or not, I was looking at it, I was like, where do I stand? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm just glad to have a gift or two, right? <laughs> it, it, it's, see, see, king, see, what I love about the kingly gifts is kingly gifts are given to send us. They're giving to send us. The kingly gifts are the ones that bring the redemption plan of God to bear on the world. If you don't remember anything else that this loud guy said in the blue sweater, you remember that. Remember that kingly gifts are the ones that bring the redemption plan of God to bear on the world. Well, how how does this happen? By sending us. If kingly gifts are in place to send us, then we use these gifts to bear God's plan of redemption on the world by sending us, sending us God's people to tell the world about God's salvific power. Do you know that that's why he has, he's given you the gifts? He's given you the gifts that he's given you, not for you to just become the best at it, not to see your name in lights. Right, somebody said on my tombstone, I, wanna, I want my name to be so-and-so, a dynamic leader. No, how about so-and-so who was sent by Jesus? These gifts, these kingly gifts are gifts um, that's given to send us. That they are sending us, God's people, to tell the world um, that God is the creator of all things. These kingly gifts that are given to us or have been given for us to tell the world that he is uh, uh, that God is perfectly holy, worthy of worship and that he will punish sin with the kingly gifts that we have. We must let the world know that all people though created good have become sinful by nature. With these kingly gifts that we have, we must let people know from birth all people were alienated from God, hostile to God and subject to the wrath 
child of God, we must use these kingly gifts to let the world know that Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to bear God's wrath in the place of all who would believe in him. We have to use our kingly gifts to let them know that you have to turn from sin and turn to God. The kingly gifts that we have, God has given us to, with power, proclaim the gospel, to live an evangelistic life, to do ministry where life exists. Because if you're honest, right, we love our cities, we love our towns, and we just don't want to see people go to hell. But if we don't, then how can we expect for our neighborhoods to change if we aren't the instruments screaming Jesus' name from the rooftop? can't happen. We have been given the gifts, these kingly gifts that they are, they are sending us. Understand this, that God calls everyone everywhere to repent from their sins and trust in Christ in order to be saved. By sending his people to represent him in a sinfully broken world, we've been gifted by the king of kings with kingly gifts, sent out to let the world know that he's king. Remember, remember this, that kingly gifts are the ones that bring the redemption plan of God to bear on the world. And, and people, let me tell you, with these gifts, somebody said, will you get to the gifts already? I am. I just want to make sure you're paying attention. Right? Understand this, that with these kingly gifts, people are transformed, people are saved, enriched, right? Because we are being good stewards over these gifts. Well, what are the kingly gifts that bring the redemption plan of God to the world? I'm going to give them to you. Number one, the first one is faith. Faith. Faith says, I believe in you, God, and therefore I'm going to push forward and encourage others to push forward. Faith, see, this gift of faith is that, now now let me tell you this, all genuinely converted, blood-bought believers possess faith in some measure because it's one of the gifts of the Spirit that's bestowed on all who come to Christ. We see that, right, in Galatians 5, right, 22 through 23, right? He he starts, right, somewhere around um, Galatians 5, 16, and says the deeds of the flesh are evident, and he gives you this long list, and then he said, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Then he gives you another list. Well, faith is one of those gifts. The spiritual gift of faith is exhibited by one with a strong and unshakable confidence in God. People of God, let me ask you a question. Who is your confidence in? Is your confidence in yourself or is your confidence in the one who saves? I mean, he is the king, right? But we must have confidence in him. We must have confidence in him. We must have confidence not only in him, but also his word. We must have confidence in his promises. And we must um, have confidence in the fact that he'll do just what he said. See, it's easy to, it's easy to accept Jesus as king, but then when I got to believe what he said, see, hold on, hold on, Brother Mike. I know you shared the gospel with me. You told me all of that, but you ain't tell me I had to trust him too. Let me, that's all part of it. The more you know him, the more you trust him. So the first gift is faith. Number two. The the second gift is apostleship. Somebody said, oh, he just went super charismatic. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Uh, uh, Apostleship, what is it? 
Apostleship is the gift of someone who helps to develop, equip, and organize people for mission. Somebody said, well, wait a minute. I thought you had to see Jesus to be an apostle. Well, you got to be saved in order to equip people because if you don't belong to Jesus, you're equipping them with your opinion. No, we're called to equip people with the word, to mobilize, to do ministry where life exists. That's what we're called to do. Another gift, number three, is the gift of administration. That's a unique term. Administration, it refers to the shipmaster or the captain. It literally means, the, the literal meaning there is to stir or to rule or govern. It carries the idea of someone who guides and directs a group of people toward a goal or destination. See, we see variations of this gift in places like Acts 27 or Revelation 18. But with this gift, the Holy Spirit enables certain Christians to organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others in various ministries of the church. See, the gift, this gift of administration is closely related to the gift of leadership which we'll talk about here in a second, but it's the more goal and task-oriented, and it's also concerned with the detail, with details and organization. I believe that everybody, local body and universal, that's what we need right there. Some folks who know how to cross some T's and dot some I's, send out an email or two, right? We, we, we need people who can help mobilize us to help, who are, or who have, who gifted in organization. And our king, right, our king has given us these gifts. Somebody said, well, what does that have to do with anything? Let me, let me tell you why. Scripture says that all things ought to be done decently and in order. And let me tell you, right, I'm a little bit orderly, just very little. Right? But you meet somebody like Jen who color codes everything. <laughs> right? Um, I have another pastor friend of mine who has markers to match every book. And like he highlights all that. I said, man, you are, you're a big administrator. He said, yeah, I like things to be done orderly. I'm like, well, pray for me. <laughs> right? God has given all of us these gifts. The fourth one, real quick, is leadership. Now, leadership is guiding and directing people to make the most of their gifts. The gifted leader is one who rules, presides over, and has the management of other people in the church. This word, that this leadership word means simply it's to guide. It carries with it the idea of one who, again, very closely connected to administration, one who, who stirs a ship. One with the gift of leadership rules with wisdom and grace and exhibits the fruit of the Spirit in his life as he leads by example. We're not called, we're not given this gift of leadership to lead only by title. Y'all know, call me Bishop Cortez Willis. (laughs) No, we're not called to lead by title. He's given us the gift to lead by example. I think all the time about my children. Do your chores, clean your room. Y'all pray for them, no, because who would they mess up? But I think about the greatest way 
that I can lead my kids out in there, it's not always by telling them, but it's getting down there with them and showing them. It's the same way even in the church, right? A good leader isn't afraid to get the vacuum. A good leader isn't afraid to get the toilet brush. See, because we have this mindset in this culture that God has given us, God has promoted us from burgers to fries. Now, I no longer have to flip buns no more. No, a good leader gets in there and does it. I mean, think about it. Jesus, being king, was able to wash feet. And you mean to tell me that you can't take out the trash? Men feel called to be elders. Well, how about you start by stacking chairs? Women want to lead worship to be on the microphone. Well, how about you start by baking muffins? I'll give you the address to our church later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know, right? There's a chance that God has called you to lead, but before you can lead, you have to serve. That right there is a tweet. That's a chap snack, a book face, right? All of that, right? God, li- listen, before you can lead, you got to serve. These kingly gifts are the ones that bring the redemption plan of God to bear on the world. Leadership, administration, apostleship, and faith. People are transformed, saved, enriched because of the kingly gifts. So, if the kingly gifts send us, or rather bring the redemption plan of God to bear on the world, what does all of this mean with Scripture? How does Scripture tie into all of this? Greatest place was the passage that was read, Matthew 28. We can actually see not only Jesus being king displayed, but we can also see where our kingly gifts ought to be applied. We see here that Jesus is king. He has authority to rule and reign over us. here's Here's what the verse says, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and behold, or if you have King James, and lo. He said, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Now, that passage is probably, if not the, one of the most popular passages in Scripture. Whenever we go and talk about discipleship, that's one of the verses we go to. When we talk about baptizing in the Baptist church, right, we go there. But right here in this very familiar passage, we're able to see Christ as the king. Now, these verses 16 through 20, they summarize all the major themes of the gospel. Christ's divine sovereignty and authority, the nature of discipleship, the universal scope of Christian faith, and the importance of doing the will of God. And it also shows us the promise of Christ's presence with his followers in everything that they experience. See, that, see I'm going to tell you, right, 
That's a benediction moment. To know that whatever I go through in my life, he'll be right there with me. Right? Now, I mean, we can talk about gifts, and honestly, we can shout about gifts all day, but I'm going to tell you, that's what brings tears to my eyes. That's what's promising, because no matter how hard this life may get, it brings me joy to know that the king is always with me. He's with us. We can see here Jesus is king. We see him sending us to bear the redemption plan of God on the world. Here's what we see in this text. Here's how we see it. Number one. We see him as king because the text says that he has all authority. He has all authority. Absolute sovereign authority, lordship over all is handed to Christ. What's amazing is that we live in a time and culture where people want to accept Jesus as their savior, but don't want to accept Jesus as their Lord. Meaning that people want to be saved, but they don't want to do what he tells them to do. But we sit here and we want to have a conversation called the Lordship Debate. No, he's king, he has all authority, and our responsibility as genuinely converted believers is to be obedient to him. Oh, well, you need scripture, let me give it to you. Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Or how about 1 John 2? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. I wish Tyler was here, he loves that one. We have to be obedient to him. He's, he, he's, he has lordship over all. It was handed to Christ in heaven and on earth. The entire gospel of Matthew stresses the authority of Christ. There was authority to his teaching. He exercised authority in healing and even in forgiving sins. He had authority over Satan, and he delegated that authority to his apostles. At the close of his gospel, he made it clear that all authority was his because he's king. Since Jesus Christ today has all authority, we may obey him without fear, no matter where he leads us, no matter what circumstances we may face. Understand this, that Jesus is in control. By his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus defeated all enemies and won for himself all authority. Now, that's amazing, because if he's in control of all things, that means that those of us who belong to him, we're living life in reverse. What do I mean by living life in reverse? We already know what the end is. We already know that we're victorious. We already know it. So if we already know that he's victorious, the question is, why is it that we we feel deflated when we're in a situation that's causing us to suffer? We already, let me tell you, believer, you're victorious because our king holds the world in his hands. He's in control. He's king. He has all authority. This text shows us, number one, that he has all authority. Number two, we see see the kingly gifts operated in the fact that, number two, he sends us. He sends us. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. The only command in the entire Great Commission is to make disciples. It's to teach all nations. Jesus said, while you are going, right, because think about it, we're living day after day. So every day in some shape, form, or fashion, we all are on the go. 
He says, since, you're all, since you are going, make disciples of all nations. No matter where we are, we should be witnesses for Christ and seek to win others to him. He give, he's given us this, these gifts, right, to send us out. He is equipping us with gifts to see his kingdom grow. He has given us gifts, and we must put them to use by putting the gospel on display every opportunity that we get. If you're going to go, you might as well make them known in the process. Finally, number three. Not only do we see that he have all authority as king, not only are we seeing that with these kingly gifts that he's given, he sent us, but here's what's amazing. He sends us with himself. Jesus is not only in the midst when his people gather together, but he is also present with them as they scatter into the world to witness. Had he remained on earth, Jesus could not have fulfilled this promise. It was when the Spirit came that Jesus could be with his people no matter where they are. As our king, we operate our gifts with him They're with us because he's with us. There's no need for us to be afraid. There's no need for us to doubt. There's no need for us to worry. Why? Because he's our king and he's with us every step of the way. The kingly gifts are the ones that bring the redemption plan of God to bear on the world. And God has given gifts to the body of Christ to manifest his presence among us, to remind us of our dependence upon one another and thus build unity in the church, to edify the church individually and corporately and to reach the lost. Through the spiritual gifts, understand this, the believers humbled, fulfilled, encouraged, and made useful in the hands of our King to whom all glory is due. Let's see where you fit. Yeah, we know Jesus is king, but he's giving you gifts. How might you use them? God has put us in a position, very unique position as believers, giving us gifts to serve him, not to make ourselves known, but to see him lifted up. Utilize him properly. Be a good steward over your gift. Because he's king, and our job is to serve him. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us, for helping us to see our need for you. Our prayer today is that we will see you as king, that we will love you as king, and that we will worship you as king. With these kingly gifts that you've poured on us to be leaders, to be administrative, God, our prayer, Lord, is that we will be good stewards over said gifts. Make yourself known unto us, God, that we will pursue you and not our own agendas. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for never leaving us nor forsaking us. 
But more importantly, God, thank you for sending us. Because our job and responsibility is to make you known. We love you, Lord, and thank you for hearing our prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.